Ephesians 3, verse 20. And this is the NIV. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And the word I want you to consider is imagine. Then the Amplified, same verse. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. And the word there I want you to underscore is dreams. And then there is the message translation or paraphrase. And it says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. Note the word dreams. Imagine, dream, dreams. And then verse 21, that's the next statement of this passage. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory. So I want to share a little bit about waiting on God for your dream. Waiting on God for your dream. I think it's true to say that very often the Lord is waiting on us to act. He'll put something in front of us and he's waiting for us to take action. And often, oftentimes, probably most of the time, why we don't step out is because of fear. There's some fear there. And he's wanting us to dance with the fear and to act in spite of it. But at the same time, there are many times where we are waiting for him to act. We have a prayer that we can't bring to pass. Uh, only he can do it. We have a desire. We have a dream. And unless the Lord acts, it's not going to happen. And so I want to talk about God-given dreams. I'm speaking about a vision you have in your heart, a, a desire, something you're waiting on him to fulfill. And the key here is that it's a God-given dream, something the Lord has put in your heart. The fact of the matter is when it comes to the dreams he puts in our hearts, the vision that he instills in us, there is always delay built into it. And his delays are by design. All of us are put into God's waiting room. And it can get very weary, wearying. It can get tiresome. <laughs> we can get weary being in God's waiting room because he lives in a different time zone than we do. He lives in a different universe and a different time zone. His time is not our time. And so I want to talk about waiting on the Lord specifically as it relates to the dream or dreams that he's put inside of you. Um, now, this message can apply to many different things. 
wherein we're put in God's waiting room. It can apply, for example, to a time of suffering. Maybe you're going through a trial. All right, maybe you've come out of one. Maybe you're in one or you're going to go into one. And by the way, that describes all of us. We're either coming out of one or in one or we're going to go into one. And you're waiting for the expiration date to arrive. And it always takes longer than we want. So that's an example. And I wrote an entire book on this. What to do when you're in God's waiting room when it comes to suffering, trial, tribulation, a season of suffering, pain, and it's called hang on, let go. So if you ever go through the ringer, <laughs> that book is for you. Uh, it could be a job or a career, new career opportunity you're waiting on God for. It could be a relationship, a new relationship. Those of you who are single. Yes. Waiting on that special someone, as they say. Or maybe you're married, but you're waiting on a relationship that's a work-related relationship or a ministry-related relationship or a friendship. Uh, or you're waiting on God to change an existing relationship, for example. Uh, or you're waiting on Him to answer a specific prayer. Basically, all of these things relate to being in God's waiting room and what I'm going to be talking to you about. But I personally specifically have in mind, even though all those other things I mentioned apply, and this hopefully will help you with those things, I have in mind waiting on the Lord to release you into a new season of ministry. And also waiting on the Lord for the spiritual climate to change, wherein the time is ripe again for the body of Christ to be restored, for there to be people who are interested in the restoration of the ecclesia, in the restoration of the church, people whose hearts are open and desirous and desperate for even the corporate expression of the Bride of Christ, the House of God. There was such a time, and you all in this room lived during those days, you were part of it. And whether you realize it or not, all of you were part of a rare, unique, precious, priceless experience that few Christians ever have. True organic body life is a rare thing in this planet. It always has been, even in the first century. When you look at the masses of people who lived in that world, both Jew and Gentile, it was a rare thing. And uh, in our time, it's extremely rare. And we're living in a season where that ripeness wasn't what it was 15, 20 years ago. So some of us, <laughs> myself included, are waiting for that season to change, for the Lord's spirit to blow again, and for there to be that hunger and desire and openness for the body of Christ. And uh, that requires waiting because you can't conjure that up. You can't make that happen. So having said all that is my introduction. I want to give you three aspects of waiting on the Lord. And uh, I hope these help you. They've helped me. I've recently come to see these things when I was thinking about this matter of waiting on the dream to come to pass, probably the last two weeks. 
and it's helped me, so I hope it helps you. So the first aspect is our posture, our posture. The posture we take on waiting, concerning waiting on the Lord. And there are two different postures a person can take when they're waiting. One is a very passive posture. And this is where you're basically doing nothing but killing time until the dream arrives, all right? So an example, you're at the DMV and you're just waiting, killing time for your name to be called out or your number to be picked, or you're waiting in traffic, or you're waiting for uh, the plane that you paid for to take you <laughs> to a certain location to actually get you there and not route you to some other city. And so this is all passive waiting. You know, you're, you're kind of held captive. There's nothing you can do about it. But there is another posture and that's active waiting. And every time we see the exhortation to wait on the Lord, to wait on God, it's all throughout the scripture, both Old and New Testament. It has in view an active waiting, not a passive waiting, an active waiting. So let me explain what that looks like. The best image I can give you is a pregnant woman. What do we say about pregnant women? She's what? She is expecting. And in her expectation, even though she hasn't seen the baby with her physical eyes, she believes, she anticipates, she expects that child to make its appearance, his or her appearance. And so what does she do? She plans, right? She prepares. She names the baby. She purchases a crib. She gets the nursery ready and she stocks it up. She buys baby clothes. She's given baby clothes at a shower. I mean, she does all sorts of things because she is expecting that baby to arrive. She's not sitting around twiddling her thumbs and playing with her hair. She's active. She's waiting. And this is what it means to wait on God. She carries within her womb the promise of the dream, even though she hasn't seen it. And she acts accordingly. She acts accordingly. She acts as though that child is really going to come and makes preparation and plans. In my own life, I am waiting on the Lord, and I have been <laughs> for a long time. I've been waiting on Him for several specific things. One of them I've been waiting since 2012. And that sounds really depressing because that's at the time of this recording, it's 11 years ago. And it can get exhausting to wait. But I have prepared for that particular dream to come to pass. I've been waiting on something else since 2015. And uh, there has been no sign whatsoever, any movement. The needle has not budged in that direction. Again, it can get discouraging. But I've made preparations for both of these things. I have folders that are filled with notes of the things I will do. I have purchased domain names 
I have purchased websites. I have done all kinds of preparation because I really believe, I hope, I trust, that what I'm waiting on will come to pass. So I'm preparing. That's an example of being active. And if you're interested to hear some of these dreams, because some I have made public, some I haven't, but there's a podcast episode called 10 Years Ahead on the Christ is All podcast, and I articulate some of those dreams in that podcast. For me, these dreams require the Lord acting, particularly because other people are involved. And that's something I have no control over. All right, so that's the posture to wait on the Lord. When you're in his waiting room, prepare, expect, anticipate. That's active waiting. All right, the second aspect is the process. Why does God make us wait in the first place? Why doesn't he just snap his fingers and fulfill the dream? As I have thought through this and looked at it, been before the Lord on it and looked at his word on it, I have come to conclude that while we are waiting, God is working even if we have no evidence whatsoever that that's happening. He's working behind the scenes. And I'll give you an image and then I'll explain how I believe he, he does this and why he does it. The image is a pork roast in an oven. Now, when I was in my 20s, I had a friend who was Cuban and he had me over his house for dinner and he served me Spanish pork roast and it was it was a party in my mouth <laughs> and I have never recovered even to this day and I told him I said you have to show me how to make this <laughs> and he did he gave me the whole recipe he broke it down step by step I still have the original recipe in my possession, I looked at it the other day because this came to mind. I was going to use this as an image. But basically, you take a pork roast, and I try not to eat too much pork, only for health reasons. But you create this, it's called Cuban barbecue sauce. And it's oregano, orange juice, lemon, and a lot of garlic. A lot of garlic. <laughs> So much garlic, you can't even imagine how much garlic. So much garlic, it'd blow your mind. But anyway, and you mix it up and you marinate it overnight. And then you put it in the oven for three to four hours. Now what's happening? That heat and that marinade is tenderizing the meat. It's getting inside of it. It's transforming it it's changing it it's maturing it and that's exactly what the lord does when he puts us in his waiting room which very often involves high heat <laughs> and the purpose is to mature us and tenderize us so that we are ready when the dream comes and we don't sabotage it because if you're not ready, 
And just like that pork roast, you don't want to open up the oven too early because you're going to lose the heat. You got to keep it closed until the time is right. And the Lord keeps us in his waiting room in his oven using high heat <laughs> to make necessary changes so that we're ready when the dream comes, when it arrives, when that vision, that desire appears, we're ready. So he has to work on us, but he works on us behind the scenes. We're not even aware of a lot of what he's doing. Only when we come out of the oven, we can look back and say, wow, something's changed. But he's doing something else too. He's preparing the other players that are related to your dreams. See, because if they're not ready, it'll be a disaster. If that person or persons who are going to be a part of that dream that you're waiting on God for, they're not matured, they're not tenderized, they're not ready, it's going to be a disaster. So that's the second thing he does. He's not only preparing you for the dream, he's preparing the other people involved. But there's also a third thing. He is in that waiting room, removing all obstacles that will destroy the dream if it arrives too early. He's taking out adversaries. He's eliminating detractors. He's moving out of the way anyone or anything that can destroy the dream if it comes too early. And just, I think it was yesterday, I thought of this example. Joseph and Mary have a very young Jesus and Herod is slaughtering young boys all throughout the land and so they escape to Egypt and they have to wait there. They're in God's waiting room and the scripture is very clear. When Herod died, now it was safe for them to return and that's how he ended up in Nazareth. So. You're waiting on the dream and you're wondering why is it taking so long and the Lord is saying while you're waiting I'm working I'm working on you I'm working on the people involved and I may even be eliminating the threats to this dream so that's the process <coughs> all right the third aspect is the perseverance and the scripture is very clear about this. Every dream that God puts in our hearts is going to come under fire. Every vision he gives us is going to be tested. Anything he puts in our imagination and in the way of desire that comes from him is going to be attacked before it even sees the light of day. And we have so many examples of this. And uh, I'll give you an image. It's a young Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis. The image is he's languishing in prison for years. And what makes that so tragic and ironic is when he was a teenager, he received a God-given dream that he would be a ruler. And not only that he would be a ruler of the land, 
But he would also rule over his brothers, his older brothers. And so he receives this dream. He's so excited about it. He shares it, which wasn't a good idea, but he's a teenager. What do you expect? And the next thing you know, he's put in a pit to die. What got him in the pit? Jealousy. The jealousy of his brothers put him in the pit. Well, he gets delivered from the pit, and then you turn around, and where is he? He's in prison. He's supposed to be the ruler. And what got him in prison? False accusation. Where'd the false accusation come from? It came from a woman who was offended at Joseph because he did not meet her expectations. She wanted something from him. He didn't give it. She got offended. False accusation, prison. And by the way, all of that, there are lessons there. Jealousy, offense, false accusation. So there he is in prison. And sisters and brothers, it took 13 years from the time that Joseph received this dream from God that he would be ruler. From that moment until he actually became vice president in Egypt. 13 years. But that's not all. The full dream was that he would also rule over his brothers. And that didn't happen until another nine years passed. So it was 22 years from the time he received the dream until it was fulfilled. 22 years. Think about it. And Psalm 105 says that Joseph, his feet were put in stocks and they were bruised and his neck was put in iron. And it said, until the vision came to pass, the word of the Lord tried him. See his circumstances, all his circumstances were indicating that this dream you know, it was bad pizza the night before. It wasn't real. How could it be? Because everything around him, everything he was experiencing was screaming that this is not going to happen. You really are dreaming. You're a dreamer, so to speak. It's in your imagination. And yet it happened. And all of that did not dissuade him. He still managed to hold on to it, which is pretty incredible. And we have another example. We have Abraham. And from the time that God said, you will be the father of many nations, the children of that nation will come from your loins. And he was an old man at the time. It took 25 years for that dream to come to pass. 25 years. It's a long time. And Romans 4 says, he believed God despite his circumstances. He believed the one who calls those things that be not as though they were. The one who calls those things that be not as though they were. I mean, Sarah's womb was dead. There's no way that Abraham was going to be a father. And yet he believed. He waited on God and he believed. And the promise came to pass, although it took 25 years. Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen. And then we have David, little shepherd boy, greatest prophet of the time, Samuel, <clears throat> goes to that little obscure town of Bethlehem. What good can come out of Bethlehem? There's nothing there. And uh, 
he, he sees Jesse and he says, bring your sons. And he looks at all of them and he says, no, something's not right here. Either I miss the Lord or you have another son. Oh yeah, he's out there mowing the lawn. And so he brings them over and he anoints them to be king of Israel right there while Saul is still king. He's anointed to be king. That's a promise. God-given dream. What happens? He's not long after that. He's hunted in the wilderness like an animal. He has to move from cave to cave. He doesn't know when he's going to die. He's being stalked by the king. And it would take 11 to 16 years. 11 to 16 years before he became king of Judah. And then another seven to be king of Israel. I mean, it took a long time, but God was doing what? He was preparing him. And then he finally removed Saul, but it took a long time. He was in God's waiting room. That is the perseverance, sisters and brothers. Every dream that God puts inside you is gonna be tested and tried. It will be tried by your own thoughts. It will be tried as you interpret the circumstances around you because they're all going to go against the dream at some point and it may happen for a long long time it may come from other people but it will be tried it will be tested now again i'm talking about a god-given dream james 4 talks about asking god for things with a wrong motive right and he basically says those prayers will not be answered but we're not talking about that we're talking about the dreams that the lord puts in your heart and you can't shake them and in my own life i have been tried and tested many times to lay down the dreams that i have and i have laid them down but i can't help but pick them back up again <laughs> it just keeps happening so they're still with me I'll give you one final image, and that is, we're in Florida, so I'll give you the image of an orange tree. I have read that from the time you plant an orange seed into the ground to the time that the orange tree actually is fully developed, it takes 10 to 15 years. But what's happening right then is there's activity going on. You just can't see it. It's all under the ground. And one of the big points is that you never harvest at the same time that you plant. There's a delay between planting and harvesting. And even when the oranges appear, they only come into uh, existence in season, in the winter months. So there's a season when you could eat oranges. <laughs> but all of this, it, it just echoes and screams at us that it takes time for the Lord to fulfill a vision. It takes a lot of time. And there are two temptations that are going to come into being when you're in that waiting room. And one of them is to just to give up on the dream because you're so worn out. You're so disappointed. You're so weary of waiting. You just say, you know, it would have been nice, but 
I give up, I throw in the towel. And that's a temptation. The other temptation is to get so desperate to have the dream that you seize with your own hands whatever's available and you try to force it into existence. And that's called an Ishmael. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He got so tired of waiting, he could not see how God would ever give him a child through Sarah. Well, that was part of the promise. So he found somebody else. <laughs> and then you have Ishmael. And I have produced some Ishmaels in my life where I was waiting on the dream and I didn't see any evidence. And so I said, well, let me go ahead and try to put it into being. And uh, Ishmael's are never good. You always regret an Ishmael because it's not God's answer. So I have decided a long time ago that if my dream is going to be fulfilled, he's going to have to do it or else it's not going to happen. And so I'll, I'll leave you with three points in a way of application. I want you to remember this. God's delays are not his denials. All right. Sometimes people request things of me. Sometimes I say yes, I accept the request. Sometimes I say no, I decline it. But other times I just say, not yet, not time, not right now. Not yet is not no. <coughs> so God's delays are not his denials. And the other thing to remember is that his delays, and I said this before, are always by design. Always by design. And the three points I'll leave you with. Number one, act as though the dream is going to come to pass. This is what faith is. You act as though it's going to come to pass. You expect it to come to pass. So you plan and you prepare, even though you don't see it or any evidence that it's going to happen. You make preparation. You act as though, and that is true biblical faith, acting as though it's happening. It will happen. It's going to arrive. That's number one. Number two, be faithful with what you have right now. Be faithful with what God has given you right now. This applies to anything you're asking him for, anything you're waiting for him on. He's already giving you something, often many things. Be faithful with it. All right. Let me give an example. If, if you are waiting, we'll move this out of the realm of ministry and, and the body of Christ and God doing a new thing or resurrecting an old thing. If you're waiting on a job, well, don't play video games all day. Start preparing for that job. You know, whatever the skills are required for that job, start sharpening those skills. Prepare for it. If you're waiting on a relationship, don't wait until the person appears to eat right and exercise. <laughs> Do that now. Anticipation up. Start studying relationships and how they work. Start studying communication skills. In other words, be faithful with what you have and prepare for the dream to come to pass. Don't just be passive. Be faithful. And we know that God rewards faithfulness. So if you're not faithful in small things, well, he won't give you the heavenly treasures, right? He won't, he will not be able to 
bless you with greater things. So that comes into play here as well. So be faithful is the second point. And then the third point is remind the Lord of the dream and ask him to show you how to prepare. Lord, how do you want me to prepare for this? What steps do you want me to take? And also pray for the other people involved. You may not know who they are. You may have never met them, but begin to pray for them nonetheless, that the Lord will get them ready for the dream. And then also ask him to remove any obstacles, any adversaries out of the way so that the dream won't be killed upon delivery. <laughs> so remind him, and I do that. I remind the Lord. He knows, but I remind him. And then I pray for the other people involved. I probably have never met them, or maybe I have met them, but I've never seen them in the role that, that I'm inquiring about. So those are the three things. Act as though it's coming. Make preparations. Be faithful with what you have and remind the Lord. So if you want an acronym, that's A-B-R, not A-B-C. Sorry, I'm not that kind of a speaker.